0: Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. I am not surprisingly your host, Doug Winters. My very special guest for episode 95 is Chef Jill Freiberg of Delicious Foods and Events. And as is the case with every guest that I've had on the podcast since Sylvia Weinstock back at episode 52 over a year ago, has been done on Zoom. So I haven't met any of these people that I've interviewed, but I've spent hours talking to them and even more hours in the editing suite, chopping these two hour conversations into 40 minute gems that hopefully you're getting as much out of as I am. Jill's story is fascinating. She's an amazing woman and I know you're gonna find her story incredible. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Chef Jill Freiburg.
1: I was living up in Woodstock, New York, where I had been living for about 15 years, and I had worked for a number of people, most notably Rick Orlando New World Home Cooking. And I worked for Rick on and off for years, and then I worked at a couple other places. I was the executive chef, this amazing space called the Ashokan Center. And decided it was time to launch my own company and to move back to the city. As everyone I knew was moving upstate and getting out of New York, I wanted back. So I launched my catering company. And I thought initially I would sort of do a little bit of events and mostly private chef work.
0: Back to the village?
1: Uh, No, back to Brooklyn. I would love it if I could afford the village. The most expensive neighborhood in New York City now. The village? Yeah.
0: I thought parts of Brooklyn were. <laughs> Every time I talk to anybody, they live in Brooklyn.
1: It's pretty close. I was, before I moved out of the city, I was living in Park Slope. And I'm back in Park Slope, which I love.
0: Okay. All right. So you grew up in the village. Went to school in the city I went as to well. school in
1: the city. I left and went to college in Ohio. Antioch? Antioch, yes. I've lived all over Manhattan, Brooklyn, did a short stint in Queens at one point. Went to Woodstock, where I had a bunch of friends who lived there, and went to go spend the summer, and was there for 15 years.
0: So Woodstock is not where the festival was, right?
1: It was where it was supposed to be.
0: Oh, I okay. ended up
1: being in a town called Bethel, because, uh, like, yeah, I don't know, right. a week before the concert, the town went, yeah, not so much. <laughs> um, this doesn't seem like a good idea.
0: But that's what Woodstock is most famous.
1: Yes, that is what Woodstock's most famous for.
0: Well, there's that famous line from the movie. We're a whole city, man.
1: That line was Michael Lang, who was the original producer of Woodstock, and my landlord when I first moved to Woodstock. Wow. I rented a house from him, and he'd come over and hang out and like tell me stories. It was great. Oh, it was, that's it, cool. it was really like an amazing experience. Um, yeah, but anyway, fun. I moved back here. I opened a catering company. And we worked, for the first couple years, we worked out of a, a shared kitchen space called Pilot Works, which was in the Pfizer building in Brooklyn. That shut down, and I moved, we moved to another shared kitchen space, and we were growing and doing weddings and events. And Who is we? My partner in life also helps me run the company. I always say we with this company. It's, it's a group effort.
0: No, that's a beautiful thing, actually. I liked it. I
1: mean, it really, it's always been a group effort. I On my first event was a wedding upstate at a great facility in Hudson called the Basilica. A couple days before the event, I needed somebody to do sanitation.
0: That's the kind of detail I want you to get into. Okay. It's
1: a big job. And this was a 200-person wedding, and it takes a lot of coordination to make sure everything's in the right place. And that's how it goes. all goes back to the rental company. And the guy who was supposed to do it for me called me and said I couldn't make it. I called a friend. I said, do you know anybody? And she said, yeah, I have this friend named Connor. He is a student at New Paul's. I'll send him over, you'll love him. Five years later, he's my staff manager. Oh, that's great. He captains a lot of my events. He does all the staffing. He does all the scheduling, hires all the wait staff and the bartenders, and he trains everyone. and he wrote our manual. and we've had a bunch of people who have been with us since day one, and it's been amazing. We did our last wedding, March thirteenth.
0: I think that's officially it was officially Covid day, right? COVID day. yeah. Yeah. And
1: we, it oh, was so you
0: literally did the last day.
1: We did the last day at Greenpoint Loft. We had the last event before the city yeah. shut down. And it was, uh, it was crazy. Cause it was one of my dearest friends' weddings. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And I was sort of co-catering it with her dad, who was my mentor, Rick Orlando, who I worked for on and off for 15 years. He was doing most of the food. My guys were staffing it. I did some of the desserts and a couple of the appetizers and, I ran the night. Oh, so
0: you could both enjoy it. So you and Rick could both enjoy it. Yeah. So I got to
1: sit and be at a table like a guest, but I also got there at 11 o'clock in the morning to make sure everything was happening.
0: Of course.
1: And it went off really well. And knock on wood, nobody got sick. And I, I'm not even sure how that managed to happen, but, and that was our last day. I mean, I didn't know that day we'd never go back to the kitchen we were in. We were in a place called Cook's Collective, which is on Atlantic Avenue. And it's a Shared kitchen space run by a lovely man named Hector, who if anybody's looking for a kitchen, give them a call, tell them I sent you. And I, I had one client for the last year who was a 90-year-old woman who I've been making food for and dropping it off weekly for the last four years. Oh, what? And besides that, we just haven't been in a kitchen in over a year and when things started to open back up and look like they were going to start happening again, we started looking for a space. We knew we didn't want to go back into a shared kitchen and had been looking for a space when COVID started. We got a call about a space that we had actually looked at a year before COVID. We couldn't afford it. We, it wasn't exactly right. And now the people had moved out and the building was willing to do a lot of work for us.
0: Now, where is this? It's
1: actually where we started. It's in the Pfizer building in uh, bed it is an enormous building. It's got 500,000 square feet of space. Wow. It's got kitchens and recording studios and artist studios and offices. And the archives for the Philharmonic are there.
0: Oh, my God. What a great artistic.
1: Yeah. Just I, I love the people who run the building. Um, they've worked with us and been really amazing. So we're building it. We're building a new kitchen. The painting got, is finishing today. The equipment comes in two weeks. And then, you know, we get the health department in there to give us their stamp of approval. And we have our first wedding in May. We have two, three weddings in May. All small, all outdoors and tents. One's 35 people. The other two are like 55 and oh, 65. Okay. Okay. I've got a batz mitzvah in May. That's 70 people, but also outdoors at the green building, but outside at the green building. So yeah, as of May, we're up and running.
0: Can I tell you something about the green building really quickly? Yes. There's no sign that says the green building. No. But it occurred to me the third time around the block that there was a building and it's green. Yeah. So I literally pulled in. (laughs) I pulled in the back way and I said, is this the green building? They say, yep. And she says, everyone has the exact same reaction. Yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. And 501 Union, which is owned by the same people, is directly across the street. And that doesn't have any signage either. They're like, yes, it's across the street from the green building.
0: Which doesn't have any signage.
1: Right, but it's green.
0: That is well, great. So yeah. that's obviously an artistic choice, right?
1: Yes. Okay. And, they're, and they're both amazing spaces. Yeah, COVID was awful, but there were silver linings. For the first time in my life, I wasn't in the kitchen 10 to 12 to 20 hours a day. So I got to run my business and make decisions. We put up a new website, which just
0: endlessly proud of it's beautiful by the way thank you for anybody that doesn't know it's delicious which is j-i-l-l-i just like delicious and jill together
1: right it's deliciousfoods.com
0: yeah it is stunning it really is
1: thank you i'm, nice I'm incredibly proud of it yeah yeah and started doing some more pr kind of stuff would you please get down
0: i feel like the dog should be introduced what's, what's the dog's name
1: yeah this is this is Miss Danger Mouse.
0: Danger Mouse.
1: Danger Mouse. And after doing rescue work and doing Pitbull and Great Dane Rescue for many, many years, I decided to get a small dog when I moved back to New York. I've rescued countless dogs in my life.
0: No kidding. You yourself. Yeah.
1: I worked with a lot of organizations. And when I moved upstate, I had a lot of space. So I did Great Dane and Pitbull Rescue
0: for years. Wow.
1: So... But when I moved back, I wanted something miniaturized so I didn't have to go out in snowstorms. (laughs) It was too old for that. (laughs) I wanted a kitchen. I needed to save money in the process. So I got quotes from a bunch of general contractors. And I was like, I can save a lot of money if I become the general contractor. And I'm not working right now, so why not? Yeah. And I'll tell you why not. (laughs) Why not is... I now really thoroughly understand the term, I don't know what I don't know.
0: That is a great expression.
1: Yeah, it really is. We've luckily, I've done a good job, I think, and I've had really good people around me in this process to help the the electricians and the plumbers. I've had really good people who have told me, you're not asking this question and you need to find out this. Because I didn't know. Like there was stuff that like as, I'm not a general contractor, I'm a chef. Yeah. I was like, oh, I have to get a permit for that. How would I know that? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah.
1: it's not just innate to me. I don't know. We've managed to get through it though with no major hurdles that didn't get jumped.
0: Well, what's nice is that it's your company. It's literally yeah. your name in the company. And you can feel like you even picked out the exact color of the paint.
1: Yeah. And the kitchen's amazing. The ceilings are 15 feet. And one side of the kitchen is floor to ceiling windows. Floor to ceiling windows. I've never been in a kitchen that had this kind of light. My architect said to me, this is going to be the most beautiful kitchen. We spent a lot of money on equipment. I bought the oven I wanted and the stove I wanted. And there was a couple of things I wanted to not get. And my partner, who's also my boyfriend, bought me another oven because he was like, you should have the oven. And then I found out I didn't have enough electricity. That was the part of, I don't know what I don't know. The first load of equipment's coming this week. So we've got a bunch of my wait staff is coming in to help put together racks, tables, and we took all of our stuff from the kitchen when we closed down. And we have it on racks in my basement, platters and chafers and tongs and and everything you can imagine that you need for a wedding is in my basement. So that is all going to get put in the van over the next week and put on racks and washed and organized and uh then we have a walk-in that we are building that will be coming in two weeks and get built in the space a huge walk-in refrigerator
0: you see that's what i've never discussed with anybody the scale of A all this stuff.
1: refrigerator a catering kitchen like this i have two i have one that is in the space that came, the space came with which is six by nine and then we're building one that's going to be nine by twelve and for a commercial kitchen it's not that big
0: what goes in there?
1: big one is when suppliers come, when farmers come drop off food, when Baldor, who's the big food distributor, all the food comes, it will go into the big fridge. And then it will get pulled out as needed and things will be made and then it will go into the other fridge when it's done. A large piece of beef goes in one side and steaks come out the other.
0: Oh, so you have your in-house butcher?
1: Yeah, we do. We do almost everything. We're really dedicated to working with local purveyors you know, we work with a ton of farmers. We work with different dairies. And then meats, we work with small vendors who I will talk to and find out, you know, this is kind of the nitty gritty, gory stuff. But when they're slaughtering the cows, these are cows that spent their lives running around on a farm. As this kind of thing goes, lived a fairly comfortable life. I mean, I'm not a vegan. I'm not a vegetarian, although we do a ton of vegan and vegetarian events and gluten-free. And one of the things that I talk about with people often is that they don't want food restrictions to be a barrier to a beautiful meal. We make sure everybody in an event we do has what they need. doesn't feel like they're a vegan and they're just eating the leftover vegetables. Right. We're going to make them a gorgeous meal that they feel taken care of and honored for whatever their choice, food
0: choice is. Oh, that's are. great. That's great. Yeah.
1: So that's really important to us. We do a lot of corporate accounts that we do. We do like lunches every day. One account, it's 70 people and everybody's got a different food thing. And that's just the way we live now is people really are very conscious of how they eat, what they eat, know what works for them and what doesn't. We were doing buffets and making sure there was gluten-free and vegan and dairy-free and making sure everybody had something. And now we're we're working on packaging, doing really great, environmentally safe, compostable, beautiful packaging, because everyone's meals when we get back are gonna be individual. We're not, you know, you can't do these big corporate buffets anymore. Right, It's a little bit of a different time now. We're, We're working on a whole bunch of ideas and ways to do it that satisfies everyone and keeps everyone as safe as possible. I'm doing a lot of stuff outside the city this summer, tent kind of events. My first big weddings in the city back, and well, yeah, I have a 200-person wedding scheduled for November. I put a caveat into my contract this year saying if your wedding gets canceled or your event gets canceled because of COVID, you're not going to lose any money with me. We'll reschedule it. We will find a date.
0: That's the force majeure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you have to. I I know a lot of my clients are really getting my, my language screwed by venues, by places out on Long Island or in Connecticut or Jersey. These sort of big wedding, I don't know what you'd call
0: them. Factories.
1: Wedding factories. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they've had to cancel their weddings or postpone it, and They're not getting their money back. And I think it's just criminal. And I get it. I mean, we're struggling too. I mean, all of us, everyone in the wedding
0: industry. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. You know, all kind of in this boat together. I, I mean, it's fascinating because I get, I get calls all the time from people in the city who are like you know, doing an event. And they're like, it, the place doesn't have a kitchen. I and I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Nobody has a kitchen. <laughs> this right, is gonna be right. fine. I'm like, I've done I've done weddings in like the desert in a tent without electricity. It'll be fine. We can right. we can make it work in a
0: oh, where was that?
1: It was kind of a crazy thing. I went with Rick Orlando.
0: To, to, wait, go back to Rick Orlando again.
1: Rick owns for many years New World Home Cooking. Rick's a brilliant chef. Brilliant. Um, and he's had TV shows, and he's been on, he was a top champion, and he beat Bobby Flay, and he's got a couple books out. I used to joke with him when we were upstate that he was a big fish in the little pond up there. Just incredibly talented chef.
0: And he's the father of your best friend? He's
1: the father of my girlfriend Sid, who, who got married last year. It's Horse Shows, which is one of the largest horse show companies in the country. They put on these very long, very intense horse shows that go on for six weeks.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So, we, I went with Rick to River County, California, which is south of, like, San Diego, south of Palm Springs.
0: That's like Mexico. It's
1: where Coachello happens. It's actually there.
0: Oh, okay.
1: For 12 weeks, we were the caterers for the horse show. We did the VIP tent, which had 1,000 people a day, and it was insane. It was, like, four of us feeding just hundreds of people a day. It was insane. Um but yeah we so that was out in the in the desert
0: it was the first time we've met but there's something about you like you're not afraid to get your hands dirty and and testament to the fact that you are building your own building
1: thanks really. yeah I mean I think that's the nature of chefs yeah it was funny this year I wasn't in the kitchen and I was you know I was working I was building my website and I was building the new kitchen and putting together new menus and I remember turning to my my partner at one point and going, people call this work? I'm sitting at a desk. Well, that's what I mean. I could do this in bed. <laughs> Work's like in the kitchen on my feet, humping it for 12 hours a day. That's work. This is, this is, I'm sitting down.
0: There's so many things I want to ask you, but what is a work day for you? Like if everybody says, well, a wedding's four hours. Well, it's not really four hours. You got the cocktail hour. You got the ceremony. <laughs> I have to set up an hour before at least. Yeah takes me an hour to break down, put on my tux, and drive to wherever it is, and then drive home from where it is. It's at least a 10-hour day, at least, maybe 12. Uh,
1: At least. oh, And I'm on my feet the
0: entire time. You know, like they have those apps on the phones that count the number of steps you have. How many steps would you say you do in a day? Did you ever count?
1: Oh, yeah. I've done it for catering days. It's 15,000 minimum. And what do you wear on your feet? I have a couple of pairs of chef clogs, but my favorite ones are their nurse clogs. I used to buy these very expensive, like, merls and these fancy ones, and now I buy they're like, 40 bucks, and they're I get them off a nurse's catalog, and they're really comfortable. The other trick is to change shoes halfway through. Ooh. Yeah, as long as, like, the shoe's just slightly different, the... The depth is an eighth of an inch difference, just slightly different. If you change it halfway through, it really helps.
0: Good tip.
1: Yep. And now I bring a pad, a mat with me to events. They're they're made to go in the kitchen, but I didn't. I never used to bring them with me to events, and now I grab one for myself and my cooks, one for each of them. Because
0: it's easier to stand on than it is. Oh my on God!
1: The- Makes a huge difference because a lot of the places you're standing on cement. Yeah which is just awful. The first couple of years that we uh, started the company, we were working upstate almost every weekend. We didn't have a van at the time. We were just starting out. We'd go pick up the van at like 5.30 in the morning, drive to the kitchen, pack out, then two or three hour drive upstate. And you had to be up there by noon or something, whatever, you know, my staff was coming. And I liked to be there a couple hours before everyone else so I could get everything organized. So we'd get up there at noon, one, two, whatever it was.
0: For a party at night.
1: For a party at five or six, yeah, yeah. party would end at eleven or twelve. We did that a couple times, and then we got back in the van to drive home. And one night, my partner looked at me and said, "said Can you keep me awake?" And I thought, "We're not doing this again."
0: <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: I thought, "Why did we not get an Airbnb or a hotel room? I know. Why are we driving back? This is insane." We get back at three in the morning, and we'd un- go to the kitchen, unpack the van, then d- drop the van off and get home at six in the morning, it would have been literally a 24 hour day.
0: Getting people to understand what exactly you do is very difficult to explain. Yeah, oh, it's,
1: people don't get it. And it's catering I've always thought is really about hurry up and wait. <laughs> I say that to my whole staff all the time. Event day is about hurry up and wait. I want you to get there, I want you there early, I want everything done. I don't care at that point if you're standing around for two hours. But let's not leave anything to the last minute. Let's make sure everything's done, organized, and then we can all, you know, grab something to eat. I'll feed y'all before we start. We don't often do two events on a night. I'd like to be at every event. I'm at all the big weddings. There's a lot of bigger caterers. There's Newman's Kitchen, Bartleby and Sage, Creative Edge, and there are a lot of other smaller, like, caterers that are sort of on my level that are not enormous, but fairly well-known, I guess.
0: We do have an awful lot of Instagram followers.
1: I do have a lot of Instagram followers and it's all organic. I will say that. I get great word of mouth from my clients and I was a photography major in college. So I take up really good pictures of food. I'm not a food stylist. Okay. Um, although I did work as one for a little while and was like, this is, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> it's like me with baking. I'm not I can bake things. Like with food, I, if I combine a bunch of things, I know what will happen. When I bake, and, I, and I, I've been told I'm a pretty good baker. People like my thing, the things I bake. I'm shocked and amazed every time I bake something and it works. Like every time. I, it's science. I don't quite understand it. Baking is just, it's a different animal and it's a lot more science. How so? Well, the fat reacts with the leaven, which reacts with the flour, which reacts with the egg, and it's about science. I know when I add vinegar to a sauce, what will happen taste-wise, but I, I, I can't innately bake. It is science. I mean, you need the recipe. You need to know what the proportions are between flour and egg and milk and butter, baking powder, baking soda, and, you know, I can figure out how to make a custard without a recipe, you know, and I've learned a lot of tricks over the years watching bakers. And
0: you also went to cooking school.
1: I did, yes. So no, I went to cooking school. I've worked with a ton of amazing, talented people over the years, from cooks to bakers.
0: When to the whole thing with Bobby Flay and Emeril and all these people being, like my wife used to say, you know, chefs are the new supermodels. When was that?
1: I guess it was the late 80s, early 90s. First chef I remember being a celebrity chef was Paul Perdome.
0: Right, okay, like Julia Child.
1: Yes, I can remember in, must have been about 84, Paul Perdome took over the restaurant that was on the corner of Columbus Avenue and 77th Street, and it was empty, and he took it over and did a pop-up for like two weeks. And there was a line out the door and around the corner. Every night, And I remember going and meeting him. I bought an apron. They were selling aprons. Like, they were selling stuff. His book and his merch. They were merch. Right. Like, being at a concert. And I went into the kitchen, and I sat for a while and, like, watched him cook and talked to him for a little bit, and he signed my apron, and I still have it. Oh, nice. And this is 30-something years ago. yeah, yeah. But I thought his food was the most brilliant thing. I mean, and I happen to love Cajun and Creole. And I've been to New Orleans a ton of times. and I've now, you know... I
0: have do too. I, I love spicy food. Oh. I do. I really do. Oh.
1: I mean, and I cook a lot of types of food. One of the worst questions for any chef is, what's your specialty? I hate that question more than anything. <laughs> and my answer is uh, cooking food. Yeah, That's my specialty. I, I make food taste good. There are very few chefs who have a specialty. Well, you got to be, I think, be a very limited chef to have one specialty. <laughs> yeah.
0: like, my
1: specialty is making really good ingredients into really good dinner.
0: That's funny. People ask me, like, what my favorite songs are. And my answer to that is the exact same as yours. My favorite music is what gets you on the dance floor.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: What is your favorite food?
1: I have a lot of favorite food. I love Creole and Cajun. I love American South. I love incredibly classic old school French. Oh, wow. French bistro, but also just the really fancy stuff. I love Asian food of like all types, everything from Thai to dim sum to sushi. I mean, I, I love food. I mean, I, I love good food. I I don't know if I have a favorite. You know, I'm a, I'm a New York Jew. I love a good matzo ball soup and a good pastrami.
0: So tell okay. me about the new kitchen. And when is it going to open? When is it going to be
1: ready? Uh, I'm hoping, we're hoping that we're up and running early May. Some of the equipment comes in the, this week. The ovens and fryer and the grill and all that comes in two weeks. So those will go in Um what i was going to say earlier is we we did some pivoting this year so we needed new revenue streams so we started an online store i do a popcorn i I saw that it's delicious i will say
0: (laughs) delivered to westchester
1: delivered to anywhere in the world i'll send you some popcorn i created it a number of years ago and i could do a we and we use it on every event we use it uh it's our bar snack
0: oh that's your little signature
1: Right. It's our little signature thing. It's on the bar at every event. And I've been wanting to figure out how to sell it. We've been trying to get into Whole Foods. We're meeting with them about it.
0: Right. I remember being surprised that it was so inexpensive.
1: Yeah, it's, it's $8 a bag, which I guess is expensive for popcorn, but not expensive for other things. But it's organic, and the butter's organic, and it's a spice blend that we use very specific spices. We smoke it and roast it, and it's a very unique flavor. And... It's delicious. I mean, I can do a 200 person wedding with a sit down four course dinner and then I swear at the end of the night, 20 people come up to me and go, so how do we get the popcorn? (laughs) And I'm like, you just had the most luxurious, elegant meal. And they're like, yeah, that was great. It was wonderful. How do we get the popcorn?
0: (laughs) Because they had it during the cocktail era.
1: Yeah, they had it during cocktail hour, and people will eat bowls of it. So now we have an online store, so we sell that. We sell our s'mores, which I'm a, I'm a I'm a s'mores fanatic. It's like $35 for a whole s'mores kit with marshmallows for two people, and it's six marshmallows, and the marshmallows are they're enormous. And we use um, really beautiful organic chocolate, and we could do gluten-free graham crackers. If people want them, we make those. Yeah. Um, And it comes with sterno and sticks. So it's like everything you need to do s'mores. It's adorable. Oh,
0: wow. It's like you're outside in a tent.
1: Yeah. It's absolutely like a little backyard kit. But we do them for weddings. So we do them for like I'm doing about smitzvah in May. And we're going to set up a s'mores station. And we'll set it up for everybody because it's not just the kids. Like everyone. Like people love it. So, and I make these marshmallows and we can do a whole bunch of different flavors. And
0: now, do you make your own marshmallow? I make my own marshmallows. What is in a marshmallow? It's basically sugar. <laughs> it's whipped sugar. It's
1: just sugar. <laughs> it's crazy. Because I syrup love marshmallows. Sugar. Once you've had a homemade marshmallow, you'll never be able to store a marshmallow again. They burn differently, they're amazing.
0: Tell the people listening how do you do this?
1: Oh, so yeah. So if you go to my website, deliciousfoods.com, there's a tab for delicious foods to
0: go. Oh, to go. Okay.
1: We're going to expand, but right now we do bags of popcorn, the s'mores kits and grazing boxes, which are only New York city because they have to be hand delivered. If you look on my Instagram or on my website, we do grazing tables at a lot of weddings, big, elegant, gorgeous, cheese and charcuterie and crackers and fruit. and, And we shrunk it down into a box. Oh, that's great! You get it, and it comes with everything and little plates. It's wonderful for a birthday or an anniversary or just a really special dinner to have this gorgeous box or a brunch or New Year. I sold a ton of them on New for New Year's oh, Eve. Oh, sure,
0: kind
1: of yeah. yeah. They they've gone over really well. People so love So that's them. fun,
0: and it's and it, what's nice about it is it's like whimsical.
1: If they're whimsical, they're also we. I I really spent a lot of time creating the packaging. It's all environmentally friendly. It's all recyclable. It's all compostable. There's no plastic. I mean, like I was neurotic. I was like, I'm not creating another product that is all about plastic. So <laughs>
0: that's not neurotic. That's it, like being aware that the planet is being destroyed.
1: Yeah, we're trying to be zero waste. It's it's an incredible amount of work and research to do it, but we're getting better at it all the time and really focused on how catering creates an incredible amount of garbage. People don't think about the the end result of a wedding is bags bags and bags and bags and bags of garbage.
0: You mentioned the fact that your sanitation people bailed on you at the last minute. That's a major thing.
1: Yeah, it is. But we, yeah, we're trying to be zero waste. You know, we don't waste food and we try to not use products that have plastics and we use environmentally safe cleaning products and doing everything we can to, to focus on the environment.
0: You know, that's when I, what I started to ask you. Like when you said, I want my people to be there two hours early, I don't care if you're standing around, but I want it all done.
1: Yeah, I don't want people stressed. What I found would happen was it takes a long time to set a table for a hundred people and fold a hundred napkins and wipe down the rims of every glass and make sure the silverware is lined up perfectly. And by the time they were done setting up, they were all stressed out.
0: Yeah, sure. It's-
1: and then the guests would come, and the staff would be stressed. And that would get pushed onto the guests. And I was like, this is insane. Let's just pay everybody to be there an hour earlier, and you can get it done. And then take 20 minutes or a half hour and go get changed. And we'll have a meeting, and we'll talk, and everybody always eats eat something.
0: This is when 20 years ago you could say to people, go have a cigarette.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we don't do that anymore, but... <laughs> But yeah, so yeah. I, that was very important to me always to make sure my staff had what they needed to successfully serve guests. We have a great handbook. And one of the things it says in it, literally a hundred times is smile. Just smile. Yeah. Like you're serving people. This is somebody's happiest day of their life. Just remember to smile. You know, people get busy and they get really in their head. And, and you know, and I realized that like it just kind of is contagious. In the kitchen, yeah, we always have music going. And it's always my choice. (laughs) So I'm not sure who else really appreciates it, because I have a very eclectic eclectic, uh, music taste, but but it's definitely my my call on the music. So
0: what do you put on? Give me an example.
1: (laughs) My music taste is really sort of diverse. So it could be Pete Seeger and Holly Near. Oh, wow. Or it could be the Sex Pistols and
0: the Ramones.
1: I could go, I could be on either end of that spectrum. Like I'm trying to do something a little different with my kitchen. Like the kitchen we're building, I spent a ton of money to get one of our work tables. Work tables normally have a shelf underneath. So you can't really pull a, a chair up to it. We don't have room in the kitchen to have like a dining room table. So I got a special table made so I can have benches or stools around it. So we so we can do a staff meal every day.
0: So where are you now?
1: In Park Slope, Brooklyn.
0: Okay. All right, so how big is this? Uh,
1: the kitchen is 1,600 square feet. Wow. So it's twice the size of my apartment.
0: No kidding. Yeah. You know, everyone that I talk to in the city, everyone, everyone says the same thing, which is that I live in an 800 square foot apartment. You know,
1: Standard and- apartment size in New York City is eight, one bedroom apartments are 800. Every brownstone apartment, one one floor of a brownstone is standard is 800 square
0: feet. Oh, okay, cuz everybody used that expression. I always wondered. Wh- yep. So they- it
1: it actually is one bedroom is standard size.
0: I was talking to a makeup artist and she said she likes to do work with people individually, you mm-hmm. know, just but some people feel like they need to bring their mother and their friend and this and that and she says, "Can I bring these eight people?" And she says, "Well, you can ex- if you want." Some of your people to be standing in the bathroom, some of the people who' standing in the hall. right She says an 800 square foot place.
1: Yeah, that's basically what it is. So yes, my, yeah. my new kitchen is twice the size of my apartment.
0: So how do people find you?
1: I'm on the knot wedding wire so people find me there. I get a lot of people who found us on Instagram. Uh, we're now starting to come up on Google, which is kind of exciting, which is partially because of the new website and because I I have a blog on the website. So we do a lot of raising our SEO, which is a whole, you know, another thing that I've learned about this year. A lot of people just find us uh, word of mouth, you know, people get married, have friends who are getting married or I'm having a birthday party or I'm having a corporate event or somebody I know is getting married. So we get a lot of word of mouth. We do a lot of, like, not corporate events, I'd say, but, like, we did right before the world shut down. We did a wonderful cocktail party for, it was a teacher-student night at a school for special kids. So I got two jobs out of that. It was, like, a fairly small event, like 50 people, so I got to actually go talk to people, which was really nice. You know, we get jobs through jobs. Um, I went upstate for three days to do a, a weekend bridal shower. I was their, their private chef for the weekend, which was really actually quite fun. And I stayed at a hotel, but I went and cooked dinner for them for three nights.
0: Oh, that's beautiful.
1: It was lovely, and uh, you know, I know I've gotten a bunch of other jobs through that. The women who were there have hired me to do other things. I'm now uh, on the preferred vendor list on some venues, and just started working with a, uh, an event planning company called Modern Rebel. And they're just super cool. Oh, you should definitely interview Amy from Modern Rebel. They're just super cool. And they've got a really interesting, amazing sort of modern philosophy about weddings and couples and inclusion. And, and they kind of follow a lot of what I think of as how the industry needs to sort of change and evolve yeah. and be more inclusive in a lot of ways. And I, and I met Amy on Instagram. We were just like, wait, why don't we know each other? We believe in the same things. and I did a tasting yeah, yeah, for, yeah. her, and they added us to their group of people they refer. And take a look. I'm, I did an interview with Amy on my, on the blog on my website. Take a look. She's she's very cool. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's where I found you. And I think I called you. Our first bunch of things were just writing. Said, like, why don't we know each other? I like, know, I have, right?
1: You exactly. You yeah.
0: Know, I have a great band, and you know, you're a great you know chef. And do you consider yourself a chef? Are you chef Jill? I
1: am. Yep. Yeah, and I spent a lot of years earning that. I didn't call myself. A chef for many, many years. I had a, a kid who worked for me last year and he said to me one of first met, he said, I'm a chef. I was like, oh, No. <laughs> <laughs> You're 22 you years old.
0: <laughs> you got to earn it. You, yeah. you got to
1: earn it. Like, and I think it's like this word that kids use now, like when they get out of cooking school, they're like, I'm a chef. Like, I was a cook for 20 years before I said I was a chef. And I mean, I'm literally like back in the day, like there were different color pants you wore depending on where you were. It's a very, it's a weird hierarchy. I also came up, there were no women in the kitchen. It oh, was no a kidding. very, very, I mean, it's still in a lot of ways a, an old boys club. Um, and it's really, it's still a thing. But I grew up in kitchens where I was the only woman where, I mean, I, I worked for a very, very big caterer in New York. I opened one of their venues with them. I was the sous chef and the executive chef called me Brickhouse. That was his nickname for me. And the other sous chef used to grab my butt every day. Finally, one day in the middle of the kitchen, with a knife in my hand, said, the next person who touches me, I'm going to cut off their hand. Good for you. And this was the late 80s. Yeah. And they were shocked. And I was called into the office. How dare I talk to people that way? I was yeah. like, you have got to be getting it. But it was, Yeah. Uh, I mean, my stepmother, a number of years ago, sent me this blog written by a bunch of women chefs in New York. Yeah. And she said, this stuff can't be true. I was like, I have never worked in a caterer or a restaurant in my life where a bunch of guys didn't think it was really funny to make a carrot into a phallic symbol and put it on my cutting board.
0: Holy shit.
1: And this happened to every woman in every kitchen. Wow. It was just absolutely was the nature of the of the beast. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, it was. The, I remember when the Me Too movement first started, thinking yeah. male chefs are going to go down. Like it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a bloodbath for kitchens. And I know guys who are just creeps. I mean, and they're very well known chefs. And I know guys who are amazing who really push to have women in their kitchens who to, to treat women well. Right, are still big name chefs in New
0: York. Really, that just think or that another. they can. Oh, do... yeah. It's a power thing, right?
1: It, well, it was a power thing. It was, you know, women in the kitchen were, women were supposed to be in the kitchen at home.
0: Right. Barefoot and pregnant.
1: Yeah. Not in, in not in a restaurant. I mean, I remember applying uh, years ago where you'd find out jobs in, in the New York Times help wanted. Right. Okay. I'm really aging myself. Um, I, mean, I remember applying for a job and calling because you called. Yeah. That's how you, you couldn't email them. you called. Right to make it set up an interview and the woman said to me she laughed it was a french restaurant a well-known restaurant she laughed. she said we, we do not hire women here wow would you want a waitress job or maybe in the bakery you could work in the bakery holy
0: cow
1: and i remember calling the new york times and saying you can't let these people
0: advertise wow that bad. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, but, and that was, uh, that was not surprising. We're not
0: talking about a century ago. We're talking about 30 years ago. No,
1: we're talking about 30, 25, 30 years yeah. ago. Not even, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very different, it was very different. I mean, the, the catering, the place I worked with, a chef called me Was That was less than 20 years
0: ago. Jesus. When did you officially call yourself chef?
1: I When I got hired to be the chef.
0: Oh, okay. The head chef.
1: When I was hired to be the head chef, that was when I first said, to me, I'm a chef now. I'm no longer a cook, I'm a chef.
0: One of my favorite movies about chefs is-
1: The one I love the best is the one with the food truck, with the-
0: Yes. Where he takes his
1: kid. That's a wonderful movie as well. That's
0: called Chef.
1: Yes, it's called Chef, and
0: it's a great movie. Right, with John Favreau and yep. Scarlett Johansson, and yes. yeah, fabulous movie. movie.
1: Have you been watching on CNN now, um, Stanley Tucci? Yes. I'm now planning a trip to Italy for when COVID's over because of this show. And I just don't want the show to end. And it's on Sunday nights, and it's wonderful. It's an incredible love for food. It's passion and love, and it's art. And he's managed to figure out how to capture this whole thing in such a uniquely beautiful way.
0: Well, Jill, you've been wonderful, and...
1: Thank you. This was really fun. and me your address, and I'll send you some popcorn.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. You got to deal.
1: Okay. It was so nice talking. Nice
0: to meet you, Jill. You too. Bye-bye. She does have an amazing story, doesn't she? And thanks for sharing that with us, Jill. I really do appreciate that. So you can find Jill once again at Jelicious Foods and Events on Instagram. And her website is truly a work of art. It's really beautiful. As she said, she was a photography major at Antioch. So it comes in very handy. Have a great week. If you haven't gotten your shots, please get them. I've gotten them. As you've heard, Jill got them. We're ready to rock. Bring it on. As always, have a terrific week. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye now.